Today on the podcast, we have Adria. She is such an inspiration and has such an interesting background in opera and in theater. And what I very affectionately said, feel like the word show business downplays what she's done in her life. But she, in all of that, has found that communicating and ways to communicate better, not just with our audience, but also with our guests. And so that is what we talk about today. I am very excited for you to listen to it. Adria gives us some very deep and meaningful ways to connect with our guests. And then she also shares some more practical ways that we can apply to create better video, not just for our podcasts, but for whatever we're creating. With that, please join me in welcoming Adria Firestone to the podcast. Welcome to the Listeners to Leads podcast, where we're helping podcasters launch and maintain lead-generating shows. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the founder of Galati Media, a full-service podcast management agency. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything that it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create a deeper connection with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. Hello, Audria. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am so excited to chat with you. So if you could just start by telling everyone who you are and what you do. Who I am. I've been trying to figure that out for years, Alicia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a speaker. I'm an author. I'm a coach. I'm Boy, am I an educator something I tried not to be. It was very funny because I spent more than half my life running around the world on the international stage in opera and music theater. And when I burned out and I walked off at 50, I was asking myself, who am I? So you see this, who am I question means a lot. (laughs) Now, what I love is helping not just women, but especially midlife women And people who have come to a a point in their lives where they say, is that all there is? And I'm here to say, society tries to talk us out of being connected to our wild, untamed hearts. And my passion and my mission is to connect ourselves back to that wild, untamed heart so that we start listening to what your soul is asking for, to what your heart is asking for. And then with the communication skills to be able to express yourself beautifully. I don't just do that with my clients. I do that with my students at university. And I love when someone, when you see their eyes light up and they begin to fall in love with themselves, Alicia, Mm. it's exciting. So that's that's what I do. I I guess a transformer and someone who is continually learning. And my students taught me how to teach. I became a coach when I walked off stage. I went to school and became a coach. And I realized that not only was it helping me understand myself more, but it put an official stamp on the fact that I was always the center of the cast, that people would come and talk to me about their lives and their problems. And I realize now I have some skill that is really, that I'm really able to help. And I find that thrilling. So that's what I do. Oh, that's so incredible. I want to hear more about your story. So how did you get into 
I, I don't even know if show business is the right word. That seems mediocre. <laughs> like what your career has been like, that doesn't really do it justice. So how did you get into all of this? Well, I like to say that I ran away to the circus when I was 10 years old. And I didn't realize that I was running away from an abusive situation mm. because I didn't know any better. That's the way I was raised. I was an only child. That is the way I was raised. And I assume that's what is. And so you just deal. And my little Italian grandmother, whose name was taller than she was, <laughs> Antonietta Mascalabrese Mastroianni, and she was a little tiny woman, okay, passionate. And she fell in love. She was in love with opera. So she started translating this is happening and Madame Butterfly is saying this and this one is saying that. And we would cry together over these fat, but it was better than a soap opera. And well, first of all, I loved her so much, but then I fell in love with opera too. And then I tried it and I went, I can make that noise and my grandmother's going to be so happy. And so what happened is that it was born out of love. It was born out of love. And I realized that when I went to this beautiful place, the stage. To me, it's sacred space. Because when you're standing in the light, what is implied is that there's a lot more responsibility on your shoulders, because you have chosen to be seen. Now, I was not cognizant of it then when I was 10 years old. Of course not. In retrospect, I'm telling you that, that I realized what an enormous responsibility it is, because you're interpreting all the things that you learn about humans from watching us. We're so strong. And we're so fragile and we're so beautiful. We're so beautifully human. And to be in that space, in that sacred light, to feel protected. When I was on stage, Alicia, nobody could hurt me. I was safe. Nobody could get me on stage. And I could scream as long as I screamed on pitch, <laughs> as long as I followed the conductor's beat. I even got awards for being angry. So <laughs> so it was a place that not only was so much more beautiful than my life, it saved my life. It saved my life. So thank you for saying that you thought that show business was too light of a way of describing it. It was a lifesaver. It was a it gave me an outlet for this immense passion because so many of us, you know, we're passionate, we're committed to life. And we come along and society and then us, we do the same thing. We put a cap on our own volcano mm -hmm. and we're choking on the smoke and we're wondering what is the matter? What's going on here? So on stage, well, I could take the cap off the volcano. I could be as wild as I wanted to be. And it was that safe space, which also gave me four decades of study and communication and how to be able to communicate with an audience, how to hold an audience in the palm of your hand, whether they're 12 or 12,000, it doesn't matter. So it was mm. such a learning experience. And I sang for the Sultan of Oman, for the Queen of Thailand. I had lunch with the cultural minister of China. I was the woman of the year in Spoleto, Italy. And when I think about all that, if I hadn't chosen opera and musical theater, I never would have seen the world. That was the gift of this career was the world's was here. Come see the world. And oh my, it was extraordinary. It was an extraordinary adventure. 
What you're saying makes me think of one of the reasons why I started my second podcast with my sister. And it was, I've shared this story before, but for newer listeners who haven't heard this story, when my mom passed away due to a drug overdose in 2019, there were a lot of feelings, right? Of like, why? And also not like knowing my childhood of growing up in a cult and all of these things, like not being able to ask the questions that I had held off asking and then using podcasting with my sister to process the grief, right? To process these feelings and these emotions. And it makes me think of like what you're expressing. I could just let the top off (laughs) in these interviews or in these conversations with my sister because it felt safe to do so. And then to get people's responses back of like, oh, I grew up in a cult too, or I had a similar experience. And like, it just, it it brings people in when you are able to be you, right? Like so often we're like, we think we have to be this other person, even on podcasts like this, right? Like I can be vulnerable. I can share my story. I can share these things with my audience, knowing that this is safe, right? This is a space where I can to express these things. And yes. that is the power of communication and podcasting and opera. <laughs> like it's the power of all yes. of this. Yes, it is. In a sense, it is at the deepest, deepest level, the art of communication, of communicating with another human being by revealing your own messy heart and saying, this is who I am. This is what I went through. And this is why I am who I am now. But I didn't even realize, which you began with all this honesty and this directness. I didn't realize that I was hiding in the spotlight for a very long time because I had all these beautiful masks of these characters to put on. And I could, I could show you a facet of my personality, but not really show you my heart. That's why a lot of people who go to theater, be it, or the business of show business, thinking that they're going to get love. If you're a really fine artist, no, you're not getting love. They're falling in love with the characters that you have created. And they're enchanted by that. But that's not all of you. So now to revisit singing in a very different way, because I stopped singing for 20 years. Mm. For me to start, I sang a show last night. For me to do that, And to now not show up as anybody but myself. Ooh, it's like, it's relevatory. It shakes you to your core and you realize that you communicate with an audience on a very different level. Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, I think that would be a really interesting approach. Like when, because I know a lot of people when they start their podcasts, right, they are thinking, almost like putting a mask on for their audience because they're nervous. They're they're not really sure how much they should share. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm going to say that the greatest gift that you can give to yourself and to your audience is for you to actually reveal who you are. Because I do a series called Unapologetically You which is, it's not officially a podcast, but it's on my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And when I meet with a guest and we talk to each other just a few minutes before, I'm not sitting there saying, well, I'm going to ask you this because then I can talk about that about myself. No, I am listening with my ears, with my eyes, with my shoulders, even my feet, even though you can't see my feet right now, I am totally focused on you. 
that body language, that giving that attention, that holding a space for your guest is something that gives you as a host one of the greatest rewards that you can ever experience. Because when you see a guest begin to open to you and they're revealing their inmost heart, their inmost thoughts, their discomfort, that's a privilege when another human being does that with you and shares themselves with you. One of the things that I noticed, and it's almost like there's a veil over the voice, because of course I'm very attuned to the sound, to the oral, A-U-R-A-L, to the sound of someone's voice, is they are applying a, a mask that is kind of what I look at as a social media mask. My perfect relationship, and I am drinking a toast. I'm drinking a a toast with my love. And they just had a fight 10 minutes ago. And that I'm trying to convince you that my life is perfect. Where the jewels of this life are, are not in perfection. Perfection is a mountain that we're climbing that has no peak. You'll never get there. You will never get there. So being willing not to do show and tell like we did when we were little kids, but instead to open your heart and share and then hold this space for your guest. If you can hold that unconditional love, you will be surprised at the things that a guest will share with you and will open their hearts. And it it might just blow you away. It has with me so many times. I'm astounded. Or, or when I'll have a 20 minute discussion with a client and they'll, their heart will break and they start crying because they know they're in safe space. And that as a podcast host is something that we need to think about. Let's think about that first rather than how will my audience like this? Because especially if you're new, you don't know what they're going to fall in love with yet. You need to wait until you see some sort of pattern or they start commenting and they start letting you know things that you didn't know before. But you don't come to podcasting knowing exactly what you should do. Your success is in how fast can you fail? (laughs) How fast can you fall on your butt and get up again? Because that's when you start growing. But always, if you keep in first place, the whole, the space of unconditional love, this canister, this container of love for your clients, for your guests, then you're going to have a better time because it's not just verbal. It's not just the words that you form. It is the attitude, the atmosphere, the essence, what you want out of your guests is you want to find and have them be courageous enough. And you set that stage to allow them to reveal not their image, but their essence. That's what you want. Yeah, it's taking it deeper, right? I was just talking to my team this morning about how as we get older, our relationships change, right? So the people in college or in our early 20s that we were, oh, yeah, totally. Let's be Facebook friends. Let's be Instagram friends. Let's be friends in these places. We're not really interested in being friends with them anymore because it's superficial, We're not going to have deep conversations. And that's what we crave as humans, especially the older we get. We crave intimacy. And yet we do everything to appear cool. Alicia, what that to me, to me, all the curse words in the world are not as bad as the word cool. 
because I'm cool. I don't care. Yes, you do. I don't care how wealthy you are, how educated you are, how many degrees you have on the wall, how much you have in the bank. I don't care. You want to be appreciated. You want the intimacy of what Abraham Maslow calls the answering pant. You want to feel that and to hear that. It makes life worth living. I was doing some really loud stuff when I was singing last night. And then I got really quiet. And in the middle of it, I said, you know, Louis Armstrong made this song famous. What a wonderful world. And I said, no matter what we're going through in our world right now, please understand that what we think, what we feel in our hearts goes out, transmits like ripples into the world. And if we can remember that it is a wonderful world in spite of all the stuff that goes on and that we have the power to choose and that we have the power to be transmitters of big love, we have that capability. Well, let's use that and send that out and be in gratitude because it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. And it releases that onus of being, you have to be perfect because if you're not perfect, oh, no, it is a mountain without a peak. You'll, you'll yeah. just never get there. You just have to have the courage to be wherever you are in this present moment. And that means beta now, better later, because I'll know more. I'll know more later. But right now I'm doing the very best I can. So personal excellence for a host who's beginning a podcast, do the very best you can in this present moment. 10 minutes from now, you're going to be better than you were right now. It's okay. It's okay. We need to allow. That's a word that scares the wits out of me. (laughs) Allow. You have to allow things to unfold. Because I'd much rather control things because I'm afraid. Oh, did I say I was afraid? (laughs) (laughs) Because we all get afraid. Mm -hmm. Well, because we don't know what's going to happen. Even if you have a crystal ball, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. So it's be present and hold that container. I'll just take it right back to that. Let go of perfection and truly allow your guest to feel the big love that you feel for the work you're doing right now and that you're holding this space and you can't wait to see what they choose to reveal. Yeah. Ah, so good. Bringing (laughs) it to like a practical standpoint, right? Because we're talking big concepts here and I want to make sure that that the audience knows. I love it. (laughs) Always here for big (laughs) concepts. Let's do it. But considering the audience and the things that they might be like, well, Alicia, you got to ask these questions. I want to know the answers. Before we hopped on, I started talking to you about how the video marketing is the future of podcast marketing. So using video within your podcast to market your podcast on TikTok, Instagram, social media, all of that lovely terrible stuff. And I talked, said how I am really struggling with this. I have a great time with co-hosts of like, Hey, I have a guest on. That's great. I can talk to you and videos recording. That's fine. But when it comes to recording my own stuff, it's a bit of a struggle. And you gave a fantastic tip that I want to make sure that we share with the audience. Wonderful. And what I was saying to Alicia is for most of us, 
we did not come out of the womb looking at a camera, did we not? So because we didn't, we have to find ways to make this camera's eye more comfortable for us. And think about this, and I think this is very interesting. When you're on a live stage and you're speaking to people, usually you have 50 feet, maybe 100 feet between you and and your audience. A camera, baby. It's different. A camera is practically sitting on your nose. This camera is less than three feet from my nose. And what's amazing about a camera, it is extremely intimate. So this camera, if I do a fake smile, and I'm just smiling away, and my eyes are not smiling, the camera's going to pick it up. Mm -hmm. The camera is going to pick it up. So one of the best things, and it's just this little simple hack that works so beautifully, is right next to your camera's eye, take a picture of a person that you love, of your cat, of your dog, of your mentor, of the people you serve, your avatar. Put that picture right beside the camera, right beside the camera's eye. And when you're looking, and I'll, I'll actually show you an example. So, okay, I'm talking right now and I'm talking to Alicia and she and I loved each other from the start. So we didn't have to work at it. But okay, if I'm talking to my little grandmother, now I'm talking to her. Look what happens to my voice, to my heart, to my words, because I am speaking to this adored woman who, if it were not for the fact that she was on this earth, I wouldn't still be on this earth if it was not for my grandmother. So do you see what putting someone that you love beside that camera, when you're speaking by yourself, that even your eye goes there, it changes everything. It's like warming your innards. It's like warming your heart. And it makes it like you're not all alone with this strange little light up there. And this is also super important, is make sure if I wanted... And I don't know if Alicia will ever show this particular segment, but right now, if I wanted to look at Alicia the way I would talk to her, if I was right in front of her or next to her, I would do this. Watch my eyes. I would do this. Now, I'm no longer looking at you, audience, am I? Mm. Right now, I'm looking at Alicia and maybe even the direction might be wrong. Okay. Because sometimes. something will get reversed and it'll look like I'm looking away (laughs) from her. So you have to learn how to stay centered. And that when I really want to talk into Alicia's eyes right now, I have to make sure that my eyes are on the eye of the camera because the eye of the camera is going to let Alicia know that I am looking at her. Yeah. But in reality, She's almost in a peripheral way because I have to look at the camera. Because if not, you're losing my eyes. And let me tell you, your eyes on camera matter completely. Okay, let's talk visual, vocal, and verbal. When you are on camera, you want to make sure that what is behind you or what you're wearing does not upstage you. Do not wear a label across your chest. Don't be upstaged by someone else's name unless they're paying you for advertising. Okay. Watch what's behind you 
and make sure that that is not upstaging you and that it's taking so much attention that the person can't help but look and see what's behind you. Also, when you are on camera and you make gestures with your hands, well, I have an excuse, I'm Italian. If you tied up my hands, I probably can't talk. So, <laughs> so I use my hands and what I want to do is fill the screen. I want to make sure that I'm in a position where I occupy this space. I need to be well lit. I need to be heard. Now, podcast to be heard is of the essence. If you're not heard and you are not heard clearly, forget about it because it's not going to work. Okay. You absolutely need to be heard. Also, when you're using words, Start thinking, if you're doing interviews, and I work with this with a lot of my clients who get stuck in like last minute interviews and they, someone comes at them with a microphone and they have to be able to answer. Start thinking of images that stand out. It's like, instead of saying to you, I first walked on stage when I was 10 years old because I won a scholarship at Barry College. What did I say to you? I said, when I was 10, I ran away to the circus. You're going to remember that. Yeah. You're going to remember that. So find images that grab the listener's imagination. And what that does is make you infinitely more quotable, especially for interviews, than other people because it's going to stand out. And that, that's why I'm known as the charisma expert, because for that very reason, is I don't believe that charisma is a gift from the gods. You know, this fairy godmother comes over your cradle and whispers, you're charismatic. <laughs> baloney, baloney. It's a skill set and you can learn it. And just these pointers that I was giving you right now to really be seen, so therefore you need to be well lit, to be heard beautifully. You don't have to buy a $400 microphone. You can buy one that's 60 something, 70, 70 something dollars, and you will get a really, really good sound. Yep. Okay. It's not going to be the $400 microphone, but still you have to start somewhere mm -hmm. and then learn how to address the camera in a way that the people that are watching you feel that you are speaking directly to them. All of those things add up. And when how you look, how you sound, and how you act all come together, that to me is the definition of charisma. Yeah. And it is so magnetic. It is so magnetic. Because when I couple all of this with what I said, Alicia, of holding the container of love, that's, see, that's the magic. That's what activates your guest and your passion to share what you have to share. And then instead of show and tell, it's I want to share this. I cannot wait to share this with you. It changes the color of everything. Yeah. It changes everything. Ah, so good. <laughs> like when I think about the <laughs> charisma, I always and back to like growing up in a cult and studying cults, like all of them yes. were extremely charismatic, but they they were missing that part, right? They're missing that part of love. It was about them. It was about what they could get from the person. It was about bringing them into the fold and holding them there, right? It was not about... keeping them there. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> My father was so charismatic that he could be telling you about this glass of water. And in less than three minutes, Alicia would be going, really? 
really? <laughs> because he just had this way of describing it. But then you started to realize that this was a real con man, that this was somebody who used his charisma because he could read people. That was part of his survival skill. Boy, I could read people like that. And he could. And he would be able to grab you just where you needed to be grabbed. Lord, if he would have wanted to start a cult, he would have been really good. Because he knew exactly how to manipulate. To me, that is not charisma. Yes, it is charismatic. Of course, it's charismatic. But that is not to me, the kind of definition that I prefer for charisma is a love in action, unconditional yeah. love in action, where you permit someone else to feel that safety. And then you have a skill set that allows you to be seen, to be heard, and then to express yourself with clarity. And like I said, when you speak, when how you sound, how you look, and how you act all come together, that is absolutely charisma because that is charismatic. That is magnetic. People want that. Yes, you can manipulate people, but but that's it. Well, I was raised like that. I understand the horror of that. And for many years, I was afraid of my own power. I was afraid of it. And did you ever go through that? Yeah, did for sure. Doubt your own power. It's been a lot of unlearning, uh, especially as an adult. Like, (laughs) talk about childhood trauma for a second. (laughs) Like, like it's a lot of, and and especially in more recent years, as I've started processing a lot of these things, it's been more about, is that my thought? especially those those initial thoughts that I have on anything. Like, I remember one story that I usually share whenever I talk about growing up in a cult is when I was someone, it was like, hey, I'm going to a beginner yoga class and I think it'd be really fun if you did that. And my first thought was yoga is satanic. I can't do that. And I was like, wait, that's not, those aren't my thoughts. (laughs) Wait a minute, those are somebody else's thoughts. And so even now, I mean, just like a couple of weeks ago, I had a thought that I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) I have been out of the cult for years now. But yeah, there's still times when I'm like, that's not my thought. Wait a minute. (laughs) Yes. And in a way that we get into habitual patterns, be it inside of a cult or outside of a cult, habitual patterns can trap us inside of the cult of our own minds. Because then we're listening to these habitual thoughts that pop up and we're thinking that we're listening to the truth. So I love what you're saying. You stop dead and you go, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. That's not my thought. That's mm-hmm. not my thought. Someone else taught me that. That doesn't feel right inside of me. So, yeah. wow. To get to the honesty of that and the discomfort. Oh, isn't it oh, uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we learn. Yeah. That's how we learn. And I think wow. sharing that too, right? Like, yes, we went a little off on, on childhood trauma, but yes, we thinking did. Yes. about how that applies to being a podcaster and sharing your voice and sharing these experiences and being vulnerable because someone else is probably out there listening thinking, oh, me too. I, I had that happen to me recently. <laughs> I bet you that that someone is listening where you and I went and they're saying, uh-huh, yep. Yep, I know what that feels like. And yes, I can control what I think. Because I, whenever I get into this like down place and this depression and, and the nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I've got to eat a worm. When I get on that song, <laughs> then I say to myself, wait, wait excuse me, Miss Firestone, who is in charge of your thoughts? 
Oh. Oh, I, I, oh, yeah, I am. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'm going to take both hands and get over myself. Yeah. So it's, it's like deciding. You make a decision. Okay. I heard myself. I understand where I am. It's okay, sweetheart, for you to be where you are. It's all right. But you know something? It's not serving me. So I think I'm going to change that thought. Mm-hmm. That's the only way out of the habitual, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. And and I think part of being a podcast host is being able to get past the voices in our own heads and to be able to listen without judgment and not be preparing your answer for what the person is going to say. Instead, truly listen to them and then wait and let whatever rises inside of you come out of you because then it's real. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes for a better conversation and rapport with the guests and rapport with the audience because you're not, all right, next question. <laughs> this is this is can number three that I opened yesterday. It's still fresh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's okay if you start that way, but it's, it's important it's okay. that you're, yes, you're growing okay. from that, right? right. That's the key. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, this has been so much fun, Audrey. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of this and just sharing your story and, and all of these tips for the audience. Where can people find you, hang out with you, listen to that show you were talking about as well? Okay, well, you can go to Adria Firestone, that's A-D-R-I-A Firestone.com. And if you go to AdriaFirestone.com slash welcome, you can also get a free report for the wise wild woman's path to rapid change. Because I don't want you guys to be stuck for years trying to change something. Okay, (laughs) so there are five pointers that'll help you start changing and evolving into the beautiful, magnificent, authentic you. Then there's also the charismaexpert.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn and on YouTube. It's all there. I can't wait to connect with you because we need your voice. Oh my goodness, we need your voice in this world for us to, especially we women, to speak out to be seen and to lead. It's time. It's time to do this. And so, yes, yes, join with me. Let's let's transform this world by changing ourselves. That's how we change the world. Yes, Thank so good. We'll make sure that we have all of that linked in the show notes for anyone who's driving or not able to go to it. Yes. Those will be linked in the show notes as well as right. on the website. So we'll have all of that for you guys. Audrea, thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.lotti. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget, turning those listeners into leads is actually easy.